Hey guys, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, we took about 10 days off, 12 days off since we last recorded, and we missed free agency day, so we have a lot of news. We also missed the draft where lots of things happened there. So we have so much to break down, we decided to break this into two podcasts. So this will be the East Divi- or the Eastern Conference podcast, and the Western Conference podcast will come out in a day or two. Uh, so with that being said, let's just get right into the Eastern Conference. We'll start with uh, two Ontario teams. They made a pretty big trade, and it was the main part of it was Cody Cece for Nikita Zaitsev and Connor Brown. Uh, there was also a little bit else added into there. I can get it. I can pull it up in a second. Chase, what were your in- initial thoughts on the trade? I've never been so nervous about a trade in which my team clearly won. So... Here's the here's the full deal. So the Leafs get Cody CC, Ben Harper, Aaron Luchuk, and a third rounder. And Ottawa gets Zaitsev, Brown, and Michael Carcone. So pretty much Nikita Zaitsev and Cody CC, I would say, are close to equally as bad. Zaitsev might be a little better, but he's on a worse contract because he signed for five years versus CC's one. And we can get into CC in a minute. Connor Brown, I actually do enjoy Connor Brown as a depth forward. I think that's a he's probably the best player. Actually, not even probably. He's by far the best player in this trade. I would think so. And I think when you look at this in three years, he's going to be easily the best player in this trade. Um, that's saying something about the trade itself, but um, as a Sens fan, I am excited to see what Connor Brown can do just on a bad team. Just get some ice time and whatever. Yeah, he seemed like the kind of guy that could go to, like, I always thought Edmonton was going to be the place he'd end up. Just somewhere that could actually give him ice time in, like, a top six on the power play a little bit, too. And maybe he scores 20 goals and you get a second round pick out of him or something like that. Yeah, I agree with that. And then uh, Michael Carcone for Aaron Luchuk. Carcone is a bit better than Luchuk as a prospect. Um, again, both those it's guys don't, yeah, both those guys don't look like they're going to make much of an impact. Maybe depth forwards at best, but... Um, yeah, and then when you look at it from Toronto's perspective, they get Cody Cece and Ben Harper, which apparently might be both on their starting roster. Cody Cece for sure will, but apparently there is rumors that Ben Harper will be in the top seven for the Maple Leafs, Leafs as well. And I can tell you right now, that is very bad. Yeah, that worries me. I like I started seeing people kind of putting him in their lineups because I just, I don't know, I guess people just had to throw him in there because he's on the one-way deal and everything. But if the Leafs actually play him, I think that would be a big problem. Yeah, like, he's bad. I, he's not an NHL defenseman. No. I think Cody CC, you could at least make a case that he's like a third-pairing defenseman who's been put in a way too bad of a role that he can obviously not play in. Ben Harper is not an NHL defenseman. He doesn't have the skills of an NHL defenseman, and there's nothing there showing that he does. Six foot seven every shift, though. Exactly. And that's the exact type of guy I feel like Babcock is going to overplay. Yeah, no, that's why I think everybody was... Actually, sentiment didn't seem to be that negative on this trade, but I think people should be more nervous about it than they are. It was really funny watching these fans and media try to talk themselves into how Cody CC is actually kind of good, and maybe it was just the bad Ottawa team he was playing on, and not that he was really bad at a massive part of it. Um... Yeah, as a Sens fan, I would have really liked to see them get more out of the Leafs here. Like, I when I first saw it, I was like, how do we give up the pick in the deal? And I think the yeah, problem is Pierre Dorian viewed Connor Brown as a legitimate positive asset. And it's not that he's not, but you knew the Leafs were in Caps trouble. You knew that Connor Brown was a guy they were going to be offloading for a third or a fourth if, like, maybe. Oh, there was no way they were going into next year with Brown on the books. Exactly. So why would you not try to either just not include your third in there or get something else for from them in uh, return for Connor Brown? And, like, at the end of the day, it's not a huge thing, but a third-round pick is a third-round pick, and I just don't understand what the logic is there. Yeah, when you're taking... When you're swapping identical defensemen on bad contracts, but you're getting four more years, I'm not sure Connor Brown's enough on top of that for me to justify giving up a pick. Actually, no, for a fact, it's not. No, and I will say this probably saved Ottawa from a really dumb extension they were going to give Cody CC. And I want to get into CC from Toronto's perspective in a second, but uh, for Ottawa, they were going to have to pay CC. If he would have took him to arbitration, there's no way he would have only got the qualifying offer because Ottawa played him like a number one defenseman for the past three years. So they can't turn around and say, no, we don't want to pay you like that. We want to pay you like a 
four five type guy. Oh, for sure. I bet you ice time is a much better predictor of contracts than people might think. I'm pretty sure it's the main thing that Evolving Wild uses in their model is time on ice because they had Ron Hainsey, who we will get to in a little bit, getting three point two million dollars, I believe. And people are like, "What the heck?" And they end up, he ended up getting three point five. And again, it was because time on ice is their main driver. Yeah, because it's probably very more predictive of contract than most other statistics. Yep. Actually, definitely. It it is, yeah, it is. I mean, the players who play more get bigger uh, payments from GMs, whether it's right or not. And it makes sense if you're CC in arbitration. If he was going against the Sens, you can't be like, hey, you played me in just as tough minutes as Eric Carlson when he was here, but also... You need to be paid like $2 million. Exactly. And like, I don't blame CC at all, but I, I do think this probably saved Ottawa from something. Now, they got that exact same bad contract, maybe a little better, but not good at all back in Nikita Zaitsev. And when I did an article a couple weeks ago about what Ottawa could do with the cap space, taking bad players was one of them, but staying away from deals like Lucic, Erickson, and Zaitsev was another thing. And I just don't see how taking five years of a guy when theoretically you will need that cap space in four or five years if Melnick's not the owner. If you don't, there are bigger problems. Yes, and I mean there are bigger problems <laughs> at times in Ottawa, but yeah, you're right. still, like, I just don't, that's not a good business move by Pierre Dorian. And it comes back to money, I think. Again, like, Nikita, they had to wait until July 1st to pay the signing bonus. That might be part of the reason why the pick was involved, which is just... That's what I thought I heard. So embarrassing. It wouldn't surprise me. Same as the Zabanajad trade all those years ago. Yeah. Um, Another terrible deal. Yeah, and like I'm not gonna go on that. This was this definitely isn't. I don't even think this is top three of the worst. Th- no, not even close to top three of the worst things Ottawa's done in the past calendar year or year and a half or whatever. It might not even be top <laughs> six or seven. Like I could probably name a solid handful of things more than what's worse than this, but it's still not good. Yeah, it's sad that the Leafs won this trade, and this might be the worst thing they've done this I think, calendar year. I think everyone loses this trade. Like, the Leafs win it long-term, oh, they, for sure. as long as they don't re-sign Cody Cece again. But, I mean, for this year, everyone loses it. I think the Leafs probably get worse defensively this year. Yeah, because and there was obviously no way to know this at the time. But now it looks like that CC extension might be the opportunity cost of Jake Gardner. Yeah, since he's unsigned as we record this, and teams will only offer him a two-year deal. Is what the rumor is, and I mean, if that was the Leafs, I feel like he would pick there over any other team for two years. Yeah, I would think if like four teams offered him two years at like four and a half million dollars, he would take the Leafs. Exactly, and so let's get into the CC extension. I know uh, friend of the podcast Ian Tullock is very, very against it, and his biggest selling point is they gave him more than his qualifying offer. And it's only 200 k more, but I do kind of agree with him. I just don't understand why it needed to be done. Because, yes, if you go to arbitration, you risk him getting more. But you can also walk away from him in arbitration. The other thing is, the Leafs have so many ways that they could say, yeah, maybe he's not worth $4.5 million because we think Ottawa overplayed him. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't know why you needed to give him $4.5 million. And it none of it is like there's no bonus up the front, no big bonus. So like, well, that's what immediately what everybody says is all right. So they're gonna front load the contract, and then they're just gonna dump them pretty much immediately. And then it turns out there was literally no signing bonus. I don't think I there's remember a, no, correctly. Yeah, I don't think there's a single. Yep, no performance or signing bonus. Yeah, so that would very very well suggest that he is going to be there for the entire year. Which, again, I'm gonna tell you, he was he is awful. Yeah. Like, I can't express how I've not seen a worse player in the top four in terms of both stats and eye test. Just, I you watch him for two shifts, you go, "What is this guy doing? And what do people see in him?" Like at all? Yeah, and what really worries me is everybody's looking for ways in which the Leafs are playing forty chess here, and they are a smart team. But like the Occam's Razor would just suggest that they actually think this is fine. That like Cody yeah. CC in the top four at four and a half million dollars is fine, which is a huge cause for concern. Yeah, like I just, you know, we went through a whole year of people like, oh yeah, look, Dubas is taking away all Babcock's toys. Yet he just gave him such like two of them, pretty much. If Ben Harper makes this roster, because you know, 
Ben Harper is going to play if he makes the raw. Like, if he's allowed to stay up in the NHL, he's not going to not play the entire year. Oh, and he's 24 years young, so we can hear about how Ben Harper still has room to grow. Yeah, like... Beautiful. It's... I don't even... It's It would be worrying to me as a Leafs fan for this these two guys. Oh, it is. I'm amazed how level-headed the sentiment on Leafs Twitter is about this, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Um... Like, I think if another, like, I'd say, say the Montreal Canadiens traded for Cody Ceci. I think people would, including Leafs fans, would just be dumping on them. Oh, absolutely. Instead, we're looking for ways in which they're playing 40 chess. Yeah, and I think one of the parts is, I mean, you did get rid of the Zaitsev contract, so that helps. It's not like you gave up. still a net win. Yes, you didn't give up an asset to really do it, but... Yeah, like, it's just, it was insane, the mental gymnastics I was watching people do to get to the point where they're like, actually, this is very good for the Leafs, because Cody Ceci is playing on the roster. And, like, like at this point, if you wanted to put an AHL defenseman in your top four, I don't think it would be much worse than Cody Ceci. Like, I really don't. That's how bad he has been in Ottawa. Yeah, he got shelled, like, his entire time. Year after year, he was one of the worst defensemen by almost anything you looked at. Like, whether that's Corsi, expected goals, warm-up models, like, he was horrible. There's no other way to put it, and he's going to be playing top four on a team that has cup aspirations. Yeah, Manny had him, like, 600th or something like that more. Yeah. He, like, he... I don't know. Maybe we should go to the next defenseman trade that the Toronto Maple Leafs made, but I'll, I'll say it one more time. If I'm a Leafs fan, I'm very scared for what Cody Cece brings this year because he's going to play in the top four, especially to start the year. Um, and I would expect him to play in the top four for a while once Dermot is back. Dermot's really going to have to play well for Babcock to take CC out. Oh, yeah. Everybody's saying that uh, Riley will play with Dermot once Dermot's healthy. But, well, again, it's not impossible. I would not want to bet on it. No, I mean, it could have happened last year, but Ron Hainsey played the entire time with Morton Riley. Like, yeah. yeah. So we go to the Tyson Berry trade then, where they bring in a much better player than Cody Cece. Um, again, funny enough, not a guy who's great on in his own end, but he not is all. an elite puck mover on the back end. Uh, so this trade was Nazem Kadri and Callie Rosen and a third-round draft pick uh, for Tyson Berry, Alexander Kerfoot, and a sixth-round draft pick. We will get to this from Colorado's perspective in the West part of the podcast tonight, or when, you, when it comes out, I guess. But from Toronto's perspective, they give up their center depth to try and get a Jake Gardner replacement is pretty much what it looks like. And they so they decrease at center a little from well, a lot from Cadre to Kerfoot, but they increase their defense core by adding Tyson Berry. How do you feel about this trade? Cautiously optimistic. Care to explain why? So Barry's defensive results adjusted for everything we can. They're complicated, but they're not good. They're even remotely good. That being said, he is an amazing puck mover, and that's exactly what this team needs on the right side. So I think there's, and defensive results can be pretty noisy, so I think it's not insane to suggest that he could fit in well in the Leafs system. I would agree. I think it is funny that, I like, I wholeheartedly uh, believe that the Leafs got worse defensively this year um, by, probably, I don't want to say add, like, I'm not adding Tyson Berry, like, it doesn't make them I don't think it makes them much worse than, like, taking away Ron Hainsey defensively. But, like, that Barry's not great in his... I think Gardner's probably better than Barry was in his own end. Yeah, Gardner was really, really good. Yeah. And they're going to miss him more than I think people expect. Um, And then CC for Zaitsev is, at best, a neutral swap. And at worst, worst, you might be getting worse in your own end. Like, he handles the puck like a grenade in all areas of the ice. It's insane. Yeah, the weird thing is, I would say CC might have an offensive edge over Zaitsev and a defensive deficiency relative to Zaitsev. Probably. I think, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, but it, for the Leafs, they they, uh, they probably got worse defensively as a whole this year. But again, Tyson Berry does fit their system. I think there's some teams that it would absolutely make no sense for Tyson Berry to go to. And I, I don't think the Leafs are one because, again, this is exactly what they need. They need guys on the right side who can move the puck up because they're – their left side can do it very, very well, but their right side struggled for the past two years now. Yeah, exactly. So you know exactly who to cover. And um, I guess the 
the big point here is losing Nazem Kadri. I mean, for the past two or three years, or well, for the past year for sure, and even two years ago, their whole thing was center depth. And then they added John Tavares. It was like, we have the best one, two, three punch in the league. That goes down a bit with Kerfoot. Kerfoot is very solid in his own end, and he likes to play with a lot of possession. He is still a decrease from Nazem Kadri, and that's not a hot take. Yeah, another reason why I'm cautiously optimistic and not just thrilled about this trade is Kerfoot didn't play center all of last year. He played a lot on the wing, and yeah, I think that was one thing that people were like, okay, let's maybe pump the brakes a little bit here. Uh, why do we exa- Why exactly do we think that he's going to be playing center automatically? And So if Kerfoot can play center at like 75% of the level of Nazem Kadri, I'd say this was a really good trade. But... If he's a winger, that would really worry me. I think they're going to have to play him at center. Yeah, I think they signed Shore and Spezza just in case, yeah. but that's not a good look. As your one of them is your three C. Yeah, like um, they signed Kerfoot to a four-year extension for three point five million dollars annually. Um, I don't hate that either. I think that's pretty fair value for him, even if he's just a solid middle six winger. The trade aside, that's a fine contract for him. Yes, I, I don't think that's going to bite them at all. And it's a little cheaper than what Codgers was for not as much of what you're getting. Um, the one thing I, I will say about the Leafs is I don't know if I really like the all-in swing of just trying to trade your depth that you had for, I think, four years in Codgers for a one-year rental in Tyson Berry. Like, I don't mind it, but at the same time, you also, again, just picked up Cody Cece as your other what one year rental like that doesn't seem i don't know like this is going to be up there and they're one of the top seven or eight teams that you could go yeah i could easily see them winning it all come come playoff times but at the same time there are still very obvious holes in this team and it does worry me a little that they traded away a very solid contract that had term for what is likely going to be a one-year rental yeah and even like um if Barry was actually wants eight by eight in his next contract. I would hope he's a one year rental. Yeah, I would think so too. I don't think the Leafs are in a position to be offering twenty eight year old Tyson Barry eight by eight. No, absolutely not. I, um, so the fact that it's a rental worries me a little bit, and the fact that if they do want to make it a rental, it probably makes the trade even worse. Yeah, it doesn't I would, help. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I like I I agree. I think like. If you win this year, no one's going to say a thing, obviously. But, yeah, if you lose this year, you're kind of stuck next year going, okay, so now we might not have Jake Muzzin. We might not have Tyson Berry. Now they're going scorched earth on the decor. Yeah, I mean, they really have to hope that one of, probably both Lilligren and Sandine are ready to step up and take a top four role. And well, Sandine for sure, Lilligren probably on the third pair. And Dermot, I would think. Yeah, oh, easily Dermot. <laughs> I, I'm a, that's already under the assumption that he does that this year. Yeah. So let's say Marner signs, it's 9-5 or whatever. This team is, their cap-friendly page at the moment is their team next year. Are they better than they were last year? Yes. You think so? Yes. I mean, so we got out, Hainsey. Zaitsev, Brown, Ennis. Yeah, I think they lost their like bottom seven or eight players or more last year. And then did they lose anyone else on the decor? Gardner. Gardner as well, sorry. Which does suck. Yeah. And then in is CeCe, possibly Harper, uh Barry, Shore, Spezza, and Kerfoot. More actually playing this year too, I would expect. You would think so. Um and Kenny Augustino, I guess. I'm not gonna count that though. Um, I think they probably got better. I think in raw talent, they probably did. Yeah, the big three getting older should help, too. Yes. Um, again, like, CC for Zaitsev is probably a wash. Um, you look at Patan might actually play again this year, too, or something like that. But Shore slash Spezza for Ennis is probably a wash. Over Ennis and Goat, I'd probably take those, the new two. Yeah. Brown... That's being optimistic that Gautier doesn't play this year, though. Yeah, like, it's close. I don't think they they are obviously better, but I don't think they're obviously worse either. Yeah, I'm not convinced they're worse. I want to think they're better, but... It all depends how ice time gets allotted, I guess. That's because true. if Janssen, Kapanen, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, Marner, 
Kerfoot are your top nine, or how many ever I listed off, and Hyman and Tavares, I, I don't know. Whatever the, if the top nine and top four actually play like they should because you freed up some space, then it's fine. Then they are better. But if it's, again, you have Zach Hyman playing 23 minutes a night <laughs> and Cody CC playing 26 minutes a night and Frederick Gauthier playing 10 minutes a night, that's not going to be good. No, it looks like they've leaned into a top six, bottom six too, which is something I didn't expect a year or two ago. Yeah, they kind of have. I, I, You still might see them spread it out, I think. Yeah, they might have to with the wingers. I think they probably will. I mean, I, I feel like you probably have pairs, but not quite like last year. Like, if you go Matthews, Nylander, Tavares, Marner, and then like Janssen, Kapanen, Kerfoot, Kerfoot as a third yeah, line or something. True. Yeah, I guess with three first line right wingers, you kind of still have the top nine. Yeah, or like more... Kappen and Kerfoot and then put Janssen up on like Matthew's wing or something like that and Hyman on the Marner line. And again, all assuming Kerfoot can play center. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because when you put Nick Shore in there, I like Shore, but probably not as a 3C. Shore's probably like the dream fourth line center. Yeah. But, um, so we've spent a lot of time talking about this. We'll flip back to Ottawa real quick. Um, I guess, yeah, anything else on the Leafs and their minor signings of Spezza or Shore or anything? I thought they were fine. Bit of upside, no downside. I yeah, like exactly. It. Same as kind of the Ennis deals and whatever last year. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Ottawa, they have Zach Smith, Ron Ainsey, Tyler Ennis. Uh, sorry, Zach Smith trade that happened today. We'll get to that. Hainsey and Ennis. I uh, don't like the Hainsey deal. $3.5 million for one year. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's going to be a stealth tank. As long as he doesn't take ice time away from the rookies, it's fine. Uh, the Ennis deal I like a lot. I really like the Ennis deal. I could not believe he signed for eight hundred grand. Me either. I, I didn't know how Hainsey got an upgrade and Ennis only got a hundred k pay boost, but um, it happened. Yeah, like maybe guy really wanted to come to Ottawa or something. I, but yeah, like maybe for ice time and then get flipped in a big payday next yeah. year. But I figured that was his move with the Leafs. Yeah, but he didn't really. He was injured and he didn't really play like high up in the lineup at all with the Leafs either. No, but he scored a decent amount of goals. I guess, but. Like, maybe he's banking playing top six in Ottawa. Someone needs to score. He pots 25 or something this year and gets, like, a three-year, nine million total contract or something. He could pr- probably, I don't know for sure or not, but he might get, like, first power play unit time this year, so. Yeah, if not first, definitely second. Yeah. Because um, Kachuk, White, ah, probably second, I would yeah, go. He got second last year, too. Guys. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then, but, like, he... Has a I like I feel like he'll probably play fourth line on Ottawa too, but he should probably be up in the top six with Ottawa. Um, I mean the Anisimov thing changes it a little bit, but not much. But on the uh, right wing, you have or on your for your wingers, you have Bobby Ryan, Anisimov if you need him, Mikel Bodker, uh, Connor Brown, Anthony Duclair, Max Verano, Brady Kachuk, Tyler and Tyler Ennis, and um, there's a few guys in the minors as well that are like guys like Drake. Ba- or, uh, yeah, Drake Batherson will probably be looking for a spot on the team as well. And, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name now. Rudolph Balsers as well. And Nick Paul maybe in a depth role. But either way, like, he has the potential to be top six for half the year in Ottawa, I would say. Especially yeah. before the trade deadline where they want to try and boost him up and then trade him at the deadline. Him and Brown both look like people you signed to trade for draft pick. I would agree. Um, yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think you could flip both of them pretty easily at the deadline as well for some kind of pick. Yep, and you can probably make them look better than a team like the Leafs could have, so yeah. I like it for Ottawa. Um, then today they made a trade, Zach Smith, for Artem Anisimov, straight up. Uh, got him an interesting deal. Uh, it saves Ottawa real money, I guess. Anisimov is owed less, so... People are kind of pointing that as a cheap move, and it very well could be. I think Anisimov is a bit better of a player than Zach Smith. Anisimov's worse than people think, though. Oh yeah, he's well because I feel like he was like fought. He had a couple good he used years, kind of good, a couple years ago, and then that was, I believe, that was right with the Hawks Cup teams, right? I thought it was back in Columbus when he was decent. Nah, you're yeah, you're totally right. I, mean, I guess he had a couple of right years in Chicago too. I say, and then um, he just kind of had name value from that, but he's dropped off, like. I know. I still think he's probably better than Zach Smith. I think Zach Smith is pretty much a fourth liner at this point. He's not very good. Again, I can. He's kind of one of those guys like that, right on the edge of like 
grit and but also still somewhat of a useful NHLer. He's just being paid too much because he played beside Mark Stone one year and scored I think thirty goals. Or yeah, he went on a huge shooting percentage heater that one. Yeah, began again. He was playing with one of the league's best wingers. So yeah. I think he kills penalties pretty decently, doesn't he? Yeah, he's fine. Like, yeah, like, yeah. pretty forgettable player. It I, we'll get it into it more from Chicago's perspective. I don't really understand it from there as much, but um, yeah, from Ottawa's, I don't hate it. it. It really is a nothing move. I think for the next two years, they see save real money, which matters to them. So yeah, I mean, good. it's not going to move the needle either way. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I figured I'd touch on it anyways. Um, let's go to the Carolina Hurricanes now. They did a bunch of stuff. Uh, first of all, they had the first offer sheet tendered to them in a number of years. It was by the Montreal Canadiens. What are your thoughts on the offer sheet first, and then we'll get to the deal in a second. But um, do you? a lot of people I saw were getting mad at the Canadiens because they offered such low compensation. They front-loaded the contract hoping that Carolina wouldn't match. But I think the compensation they would have got back was the first, second, and third, which isn't enough, obviously. Uh, what what were your thoughts on it? Should Montreal have gone more? Do you think they – did you like the idea, or do you think it was just a waste of time? Like, okay, it was definitely a waste of time. But also, let's say there's like a 1% chance that that contract would have landed them Sebastian Ajo. Go for it. Like, there's no downside for Montreal. That's kind of what I thought, too. And people are like, well, yeah, their cap space would tied up. It's like, no, it won't, because you can go 10% over until the beginning exactly. of the year. That's so. exactly what I was thinking the whole time, too. Yeah, so everyone was like, because the Kane's GM was, yeah, he was having a pretty good time with it during the press conference, but he was saying, like, oh, maybe I won't match for a couple of days, so they can't go and sign free agents during July 1st. And they're kind of like, well, no, we could still do that anyways if we wanted to. Um and then at that point, your only move is let Aho walk out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, if I, I, I don't know, I, I understand why Montreal did. I don't really get why people are so angry at it. I get, I think that Montreal probably should have gone into a higher bracket and tried to go about 9.5 mil or 9.798 or whatever, and then still tried to front load it and see if they matched then. I still think they would have. Probably. Um, but, yeah, I think they probably should have gone a little more expensive just for the extra first round pick because it's another first, but when you're getting Sebastian Ajo, I think it would be worth it to try and take that gamble. Yeah, you're happy if two first turn into Sebastian Ajo. But at the same time, I totally like the Canes weren't budging off of seven and a half or seven was the rumor. Yeah, like they were clearly lowballing him enough that he was comfortable signing this contract. Yeah, well, and that's why, like, I get it from Montreal's perspective is that you're hoping that they're lowballing him because they don't want to spend a ton of money. So you completely front load a deal, and um, I know one of the, like totally offside. One of his biggest problems with offer sheets, I see him talk about all the time on Twitter, is it just inflates the market for your own RFAs. This doesn't inflate the market because this is a perfect, perfectly reasonable deal. If anything, I'd argue Aho deserves more money. Oh, probably. <laughs> um, but and so I guess I just gave my thoughts on what the deal is. I really Aho's the big winner here. He got the money he was looking for up front. Yeah, up front as well, and. Um, he sounds happy to be back in Carolina. I know he's going to say that anyways, but he it like it did look like he really enjoyed himself last year. Well, to sign an offer sheet, you by definition have to be comfortable with staying. Yes, because you have to be. Yeah, you have to be comfortable with leaving or staying, like yeah. both of them. And I don't think that's a fault on the player at all. I mean, I would go live in Montreal for five years as well. That's the other big win for Aho here is it takes him right to free agency. Uh, being UFA status for five years, and that's what Carolina didn't really want to do. But No, that's definitely not ideal for Carolina. But they had to do it, and they get a very, very, very good player at a reasonable price for five years. So Yeah, they get their superstar in a great deal. And, I mean, they already have a ton of great deals on their team, so, I mean, this is just money in the bank for them, in yeah. my opinion. Um, and then they took some of that cap space that they had uh, left over from so many of the good deals, and they picked up some other guys. They, uh, they traded for Eric Halla from the um, Vegas Golden Knights. And they also signed Ryan Dezingle as some forward scoring depth. Yeah, and I forgot to sign Dezingle. I really like both these moves. I think this is exactly what they kind of need, is just forward depth that can try and help them put the puck in the net a little more. Scoring talent. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's what both of them provide. Uh, Ryan Dezingle's not going to drive line for you, but at 3.375 for two years, that's an insanely good deal for a middle six forward. That contract looked like it could have went so badly. I tweeted, I was literally expecting him to get 5 by 5 or more. Like, I thought he was going to get five years at, like, 
six million dollars or something like that. Yeah, after fifty six points last year, I expected him to cash out big. Yeah, and uh, Eric Halla two point seven five for one more year. You can decide what to do with him after, but again, a good pickup for this year for a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I like what they did uh, this year and in free agency. Yeah, this team loaded with guys who can drive a line but not score. Just picked up two guys who can't drive a line but can score. So exactly, and uh, yeah, I think that's it's very smart. So uh, we will see. I don't know where do you want to go from here. We got Buffalo might have been the next. Yeah, Vegas let's go to Buffalo. Another team that Vegas traded a player to to get rid of some uh, cap or to get some cap space. Start with Colin Miller. They had a couple trades: Colin Miller and Jimmy VC. Uh, the Rangers obviously had to clear cap for certain reasons that we'll get to as well. Um, what do you think of these two pickups? And then we'll get to a free agent signing or two as well. Uh, three. They also got what's his name, Yokoharu. Right. I like yes, Yokoharu as well. Off season a lot. I I do too. I think they added legit uh, depth talent, which is exactly what this team needed. Uh, we said it all year that they have the high end talent. They have the hard player. They just need to fill this roster out with actual team like players on the lower part and they have that now or they have uh, more of that now anyways yeah, um they I, have like every right-handed defenseman in the world all of a sudden yeah i really like colin miller yeah, uh, i love I it also think that yokoharu looks very good uh especially they gave up alex nylander who just starts to look like more and more of a bust every day i mean at this point i think you can kind of label him a bust even if he turns out to be a fourth line player yeah like i'm sure there are realities where he turns into a second liner or whatever but yokoharu showed promise in the nhl and put up better ahl numbers at a younger age so yeah and then so now in defense you have rasmus delene uh brandon montour colin miller marco scandella then rasmus ristolainen and zach bogosian and then casey nelson and jake mccabe so they have a very fine decor all of a sudden if they use it correctly. Yeah, if they assemble this decor right, Buffalo goes from having a garbage defensive unit to a could have a pretty solid one next year, assuming Miller and Yokari who can step into NHL roles. Yeah, like at least do. average. I mean, yeah, we've seen Colin Miller destroy third pair minutes. He even looked decent on the second pair as well. So yeah, I love him as a high upside pickup. Yeah, I think if you run uh, Miller and. Some some form of Miller, Deline, Montour, and Scandella in your top four and have a sheltered pair of Ristolainen and Yokoharu as just an offensive machine on your third pair. Like I like that decor a lot in terms of usage anyways. Yeah, um, yeah. Throw keep Ristolainen on that top power play where he excels. Yeah, and then up front you have Eichel. They re-signed Skinner to a lot of money. Ocposo still. The free agent signing they made, Marcus Johansson, two years, $4.5 million. I like this deal. Another really good deal that I thought could have gone very badly. Yep, me too. I'm not giving term to a guy who has big injury history, but is also a very good player when he can play. And I think um, he showed it this playoff run with the Bruins. He was a big part of that, uh, why they made the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, he's a very good player. Um, and he can play, like he's played center in the past. He's played wing. So he seems like a utility player sort of guy in your top six. Yep. And so now you got a top nine consisting of the players of Eichel, Skinner, Johansson, Reinhardt, Shiri, VC, Middle, not maybe Middlestad and Gurgensons. Probably Middlestad. It, it drops off by the third line, but at least there's more NHL talent there than there was before. Yeah, it's another top. Like Johansson should be a legit top six forward, which is something this team did not have an abundance of. You have Rasmus Asplin and uh, Tage Thompson in the minors too. Victor Olsson as well. Curtis Lazar. <laughs> <laughs> I signed Curtis Lazar. Yeah, they did sign Curtis Lazar, 700,000. He, he won't get NHL minutes. But um, they have, yeah, like this is more optimistic than I've, I'm more op- optimistic about this team than I have been about Buffalo in a long time. So, yeah, um, very good offseason. I think this is the year they think they were going to have last year, where they should probably be at least around the bubble of a playoff spot as long as they can get some goaltending. Like it's time to take the step to be relevant. Again, yes, sort of thing. exactly. And I think that's where a lot of the fans thought they were last year, and I, I don't agree with that's where they were, uh, but I think they are there now. Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of hope so. I sort of feel bad for Buffalo. I kind of do and kind of just don't care. They've just been so goddamn bad for so long now. Yeah, it is fun seeing them like have rivalries with other good. That's true. Uh, I like strict teams. Like Leafs Buffalo is always intense. Imagine if both of them are actually in the playoffs. Yeah, I'd get that Eichel Matthews and all that going at the same time. Yeah, and I mean the league is helped when markets like Buffalo are good. Buffalo is a big hockey market. They are always 
one of the like top three for uh, ratings in the states of the Cup final. Yeah, and they haven't even come close to sniffing it. So come close to playoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. Um, let's move on to another Eastern Conference team. Let's go the Islanders. Um, they did some stuff. Uh, they signed their captain Anders Lee, seven years, seven million, I believe, was the deal. Or was it eight years? Seven, because they waited till after. Right. The, uh, seven. Yeah, him. seven years, seven million dollars. I don't like this deal. He's already twenty nine. He's probably overrated as it is. We all know power forwards age really well, though. <laughs> it's, gosh, it, it's amazing that they keep making their contract books look worse. <laughs> yeah, like, I like the Everly deal. I thought that was a very good deal. I don't like the Anders Lee deal. They then signed Semon Varlamov to way too much money for way too much term for a 31-year-old goaltender who struggles with consistency as it is. $5 million each year for the next four seasons. I don't So the rumor was that... So they were big in on Panarin. They were, he was one of, they were one of his final teams. Apparently he turned down about a million dollars extra to go... To the Rangers. Which has to sting. Yes, it has to sting a lot. But, um, uh, what was I? I was going to say, part of the rumor was that Varlamov had the same agent as Panarin, and they're both Russian. So it was kind of a, they thought maybe they could get a deal, whereas if they give Varlamov money, they could get Panarin as well. And it looks like it backfired because we'll get to this in uh, the next episode, but. Uh, Robin Leonard, the better goalie in my opinion, well, especially last year, a better goalie. God, than yeah, last year. Varlamov uh, went and signed a cheaper deal for less term with the Chicago Blackhawks, and it's just inexcusable. If you have, like, it, it is. It really is. And he's younger. Yep. Yeah. Like but, a decent jump. But like three or four years, I believe. Yeah. Four or five, maybe. Like, it, yeah, three, three, I think. Like, I was thinking Leonard was going to get massive money in term. I thought Leonard was at least going to get the Varlamov deal. But if you gave Leonard the Varlamov deal instead, it's probably fine. Yeah, I wouldn't at least, like, okay. I wouldn't hate that at it all. It could work you're out least, badly. But I could at least see where they're, why they're making a bet. Because yeah, exactly. the guy could have had, an, like, the guy had a legitimate argument for a Vesna this year. He did win the Vesna, didn't he? No. Or was, was it Vasilevsky? Actually, it was Vasilevsky yeah. because he had more wins. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's one of those things. I, I don't even know if Varlamov's going to be the starter next year. Like Thomas Grice had a, amazing numbers in the system last year. Like I don't know. That was the other thing. Grice was good enough in Trotz's system last year that it's not even like they needed to go spend big on another goalie. No, they really didn't. Um, they could have picked up someone like Mike Smith for three and a half million dollars or whatever Edmonton did to keep that term down. Yeah, exactly. Like it was one year, three point five million dollars. Like why would you not do that instead? Like. I, I don't get it, and it's – I don't think this Islanders team is going to be good. It, no. it has 2017 Senators written all over it, except they haven't traded away their first-round pick yet. So, And three of – four of their least favorite contracts of mine have no trade clauses. Yeah. it's Lee, Nelson, Ladd, and Varlamov all have no trade clauses. I will say I like the defense core a lot more than I thought I did. Yeah, I like their decor. Like right now, it's Devin Taves, Scott Mayfield, Adam Pellett, Ryan Pulak, Thomas Hickey, Nick Letty, Johnny Boychuk. And they have good defensive prospects in the system Yeah, as well. Dobson's down there. Yeah. It's um, huge. So, I, I do like that a lot, but... Oh, and Bodie Wild, we saw him. Yeah. Um, I I don't have much to say on this team. We, it feels like every time I talk about this team, I just roast them for probably not going to be as good as they think, and also just having horrible deals, but... They're going to be bad next year. I think I think they absolutely have to be. Like they're going to be as bad next year, maybe worse than everybody thought they were going to be this year. Yep, I would agree. Well, maybe not everyone. Deadspin had like a list of like they were like, the Deadspin article at the beginning of the year was like was rank, ranking the, the the thirty teams and the Islanders or something like oh, okay, that, or yes. thirty hockey teams and the Islanders or something like that. So they won't be that bad. No, but I mean, other than that, I would agree with what you've said. Um, Let's move on. Let's go to the other New York team, I guess. The team that actually did get the big fish, Artemi Panarin. Uh, <laughs> not much to say about this, but good for them. And I think Panarin made the right choice, too. He took less money, yes, but he also went to a much better team than the other two, I think. Oh, God, yeah. I'd rather hitch my wagon to this team for seven years than the their neighbors. Yeah, or Columbus, for that matter, too. A hundred percent. 
So they now, they picked up Jacob Trubo, which I, we did talk about. That was a great deal. We both love that deal. He still hasn't signed a contract yet, but I don't have any fear of that happening. Or, yeah. or not happening, I should say. Uh, picked up Adam Fox this offseason as well. Um, they're going to be bringing up a bunch of rookies full-time. You know, they just drafted Capo Caco. You know he's going to make the team. Phil Chaitel, on Leas Anderson, Brett Howden. Like, they have a very, very solid-looking team. Yeah, the future is really, really bright for the Rangers. Kratzov looks like he's going to play this year. Yep. Um, a top line of Kreider, Zabanja, Panarin. Can you imagine? Uh, they're probably going to trade Kreider, which would which makes sense in my opinion. And I think they'll get, though they will deservedly get a haul for Kreider. Yes, the they will. So. And that's so, like, that's fair. But, I mean, I just can't wait to watch that line at least Yeah, it start. should be fun. Um, Panarin's what? Who's, name your, like, top three best left wingers. I don't. I have no idea. Is what Panarin, Panarin is. in there? Probably. I'd yeah. say Panarin's probably a top five winger in the league. Yeah. So, yeah, like I probably got Panarin, Hall, and Marshan in some order. Yeah, as like the three best. Yeah. Um. I. I. I don't have much to say about this because I get it's like the Tavares signing last year. Yes, it's a lot of money. Yes, it's a lot of term for an older guy, but he's so good you can't overpay him. Yeah, when you get to sign a superstar. For nothing but cap space, it's really hard to say no. Yeah, and he will be 35 by the end of this deal, which, yes, he could age very, very poorly, but he could also still be not worth it, but also just still pretty solid on a team that should be pretty good in five or six years. Yeah, I'll, I doubt he'll be worth it by the end, but Dom's model had him projected to still be a top-line forward. So. Which is impressive. Like, even yeah. if he was like a second or third-line forward on a stacked or on a very good team, like you'd take that probably for what he gives you in the first five years. Yeah, exactly. So... If you think you can contend now. Exactly. Or close enough to now. Uh, let's stay in another one near them. The New Jersey Devils. I really liked what they did in the offseason or in the draft slash uh, um, free agency as well. Um, obviously, drafting first overall kind of helps. Yeah, it makes your <laughs> draft a little, a little bit better. Um, but they picked up P.K. Subban in a trade we I don't. Did we talk about? No, I don't believe so. Were, were you at Simbay with us when it happened? Yes, yeah. Because yeah. we looked down and we're like, oh my gosh, PK Subban. Well, it was the Marlowe trade and then the PK Subban one. Yeah. Which does that mean we haven't talked about Marlowe either? I feel like we no, we did talk about Marlowe. There were different times. Marlowe was near the end of a Simbay run. Yes. Was it two? And Subban was at like the beginning. We were at different seats. Oh. Subban, we were closer to the window. <laughs> I don't think I remember this. Okay, well... <laughs> Hopefully we haven't talked about Subban. I feel like we haven't because it was a draft day thing, I believe. Right? I'm not crazy, am I? I feel like it was draft. Right, we're going trade tracker. Um, yeah, but either I way, think I remember that loggy run anyway. <laughs> okay, I do remember it. I just thought they were together. God, people probably hate this. June 22nd. We definitely talked about this then. Oh, we probably did then. We absolutely talked about this. Sure. <laughs> oh man. Anyways, it was good. We'll go with that. Um. Did they do so? Oh, they signed Wayne Simmons. Yes, so that was the other thing. They signed Wayne Simmons. I don't one year five mil. I don't hate that because they have the cap space. He's not going to be worth five million. But um, he was another one who I thought was we were going to be laughing at. Yeah, this contract and but it's still not good. It's but, not good, but I mean it's one year, so whatever. I'm like, sure you can get picks for him at the deadline. Yeah, um, and like he will probably help your power play, standing in front of the net, and just play fourth if you play on third or fourth line, like whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so if we talked about the P.K. Zuman one, I don't have as much to say as I thought I did. I just like, I, they're going to be a solid team next year. Um, the Metro doesn't have the top-end talent, I don't think, as some of the other divisions, but that team is probably the best from top to bottom that there is in the league. The Metro? Yes. Yeah, it's a deep division now. Like, there's one team in the Islanders that I don't have faith in. Like, if even the Islanders, I think if you said... Yeah, Barry Trotz's system helped them make the playoffs again. I could go, oh, yeah, I see it. Maybe the Jackets now, but again, like even the Jackets, I could see them going on a PDO bender with the talent that they still have on their roster and making the eighth place of a wild card. Yeah, like the Islanders and Jackets are better than the Wings and Senators. By far. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, and the Atlantic's the only other division that I would think has enough depth to rival that. Yeah, um... So, yeah, it's a very stacked division in terms of, like, it should be the more, I would say, the most exciting division top to bottom. Yeah, it should be a really, really tight playoff race. Yes. Which is nice. Um, Let's see, who else do we have? Uh, Florida went absolutely insane. Well, how do we get about, <laughs> knowing that we've already covered the P.K. Subban trade, we should have went Florida before New Jersey. Probably, but, but Florida Panthers signed 
Sergey Bobrovsky, seven years, ten million uh, per. I don't have to tell anyone that this isn't going to age well, but I will. Thirty thirty years old, seven year deal, paying him. Like you just watch what happened to the Carey Price contract and how it already looks like the worst in the league or one of the worst. And you went, I want more of that. Yeah, I. I okay, and if starting I, later. If I'm trying to defend it, I will say that this core needs to go for it now. Yep, and if Bobrovsky puts up a 925 next year and they're first in their division, not that they'll actually be better than the Lightning, but still, maybe they're laughing all the way to the bank. And yeah, don't care I mean, about how it ends. If he plays for three years, plays very solid for three years, and then slightly declines or even drops off a cliff, I don't think they care because they need to try and go for it now. The thing I hated was drafting a goalie at 13th overall and giving a yes. 30-year-old a seven-year deal for $10 million in the same offseason seemed unwise. Yep, I totally agree with that. Um, maybe they're hoping for a compliance buyout down the road, but even that, that would only be in like two years or three, two years from now, I think. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I would totally agree with that. I think um, like maybe you hope the goalie's ready in, say, four years, and then he can kind of tandem with... Bobrovsky, or to even just take the rollover as you pay your backup way too much money. in for the backup. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't really know what else to say. Um, this, to me, wasn't the dumbest contract they signed, because I at least saw some logic behind it. All right, which one was? Giving um, Nolachari and Brett Connolly four, three- and four-year deals seems stupid, more dumb in logic to me, especially Brett Connolly. $3.5 million for per year for four years. I didn't hate that one. I don't like it at all. He's 27. He's a depth forward. Why are you signing him for four years? He's a really good shooter. Like, it's not a great contract, I don't think. I, didn't I don't even hate... think it's a good contract. I just like the Strawman contract more. I also don't like that contract. It's a lot of money. Like, three years, I guess. He's already declining, though, is the issue. Like, I... have... The worst is he used to have amazing numbers, so then when they signed him, I was like, damn, good for Florida. And then I started to see everybody react to him. It was like, oh, he's not the Anton Strowman that I remember him Yeah. Being, which um, happens to 32-year-old defensemen. Yeah, but like they just they signed Connolly and Achari for a combined four and a half, five, five million dollars or so and for three and four years. I just don't ever think walking into your depth like that is a smart move. Yeah, that is a lot of money for depth winners. And I want to get into that with a different team. I mean, do you have anything else to say on the Panthers? I don't know. I'd defend the Conley one a little bit because he is a good shooter, but it's not an amazing deal. Yeah, I don't like it personally. I think there's better ways to use a cap, your cap space. Um, but hey, whatever. <laughs> it's um, pretty clear they think they can win now. So yeah, or at least they want. They need to try and win now, yeah. anyways. Um, but uh, speaking of teams locking into their depth, the Washington Capitals have just kind of locked into the team they have for the next four years. They signed Garrett, Garnet Hathaway and Richard Panic to four-year deals each. Um, they've also signed Carl Hagelin to a four-year deal. They signed Nick Dowd to a three-year deal. Now, that has very little money to it, but it's still a three-year deal. I like the Dowd one, actually. I don't hate... Like, you can bury it, so whatever. Yeah. You really can't complain about a buryable contract. So. I don't really understand giving Garnet Hathaway four million or four years at $1.5 million a year. Like, that just doesn't make sense no, to me. that did not make sense to me either. At all. Like, the panic one is a little bit... I still don't really understand the term with panic, but I guess... The low cap hit for the term may, may, makes it a bit better. Yeah, I think Dom's model had him as one of the most likely to outperform his contract, which surprised me a little. But yeah, well, it is. I think he took a pay cut from his last AAV, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure he did too. Which is a little bit surprising, but I guess when he it's probably it was either probably four years at two point seven five or one or two years at say three and a half four million, right? So, um, I like it's fine. It's just. Backstrom's up next year and Ovechkin's up in two years and you're pretty much locked into your entire team for another six years. Yeah, I know they won a cup with like basically this roster, but I don't know. They seem to just be so bland at five on five. This roster doesn't do it for me and they're locked into it for yeah, and they have, a while. They have $935,000 in cap space with almost no money but Radko Gudis is coming off the books next year. And they still need to figure out a way to sign Christian Juice. 
Oh, they have oh, they have Holby. They, they have Holby and Backstrom, but like but you, you don't want the Holby Backstrom and Gudis contracts coming off. Is you, the problem. I was gonna say that, that's what I mean. Like when I say they're coming off, like you want to resign Backstrom, but he's not gonna sign for six point seven again. No, not at all. So like, like I guess you they probably let Holby go and just pray that um, Samsonov is ready. If Holby wins enough games, he could probably sign the Bobrovsky contract. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he has the name value of that. You don't think he does? No, I don't think so. I would think he could cash out after this year. I think he will get a big payday. I just don't think he has quite that name value. That's fair. I don't think he has a. uh, He might have a Vesna, but I think he. He did lead the league in wins one year. He has a finalist. I know that he might have an actual. He might have a Vesna though. Um. Either way, like, I don't know. Like, I don't hate the pieces on this team. I just don't like how long they're locked in for. Yeah. Especially with the old now. Yeah, with the big contracts coming off, too. And I like the Rana contract in, a, like, for what you're going to get for the two years, it's going to be a very good deal. But you're going to need to find space to sign him long term in two years. Yeah, I was hoping for their sake they did with Verana like a Pasternak style thing where you just yeah. try to get him on an amazing deal with some term. And I kind of get why Verana did it as well. You were gonna tell them hey pay me now in, in two years you can tell me okay i took a nice deal for you guys pay me now or i'm gonna demand to go somewhere else and yeah and as he gets older he should have the counting stats to back up that argument even more mm-hmm. um so i would yeah i don't know i don't love what washington did i, I understand the brand of contract is you still just try and go for it with this core uh they're gonna have a couple rough rough years ahead once this score really starts to glide though yeah, they could win a cup next year, but there's also a reckoning coming. But that's the cost of being a contender for like a decade. Like this is this is why I'm talking about the Metro. They could, in theory, win a cup. Yeah, like I I think their team's a very fine playoff team as well. I mean, they showed a lot there two years ago now, I guess. But but they could like would it surprise you if they finished like seventh in the Metro? No, I they're like maybe after, seventh would surprise me. Seventh would shock me. But like me. fifth or sixth in the Metro, like let's say. The Rangers show some insane strides this year. The Rangers, Canes, Pens, Flyers finish above them. The Flyers get goaltending. Yeah, like Matt Murray. The Penguins get gold. If the Flyers and Penguins get goaltending, like there's a couple, work. like yeah, the Devils and Jackets would have to go on a bit of a bender to to pass them. I would assume. Yes, that would be that would take a little bit of magic on their part. But like. Same with the Rangers, yeah, to be honest. I don't know. I, I think the Cap- like Capitals fans are happy with their cup, and they're they fine be. with just going with it with this core, which is fair enough. I just I think you're probably making it a little harder on yourself than you needed to be by locking in the guys like Hathaway for four years. Yeah, it was just very unnecessary. Yeah, even if it's really low low money, like it just doesn't feel that necessary. I like the Leipzig contract, actually. Yeah, that, it's was, a, that was a solid just short buy. Yep. Um. Yeah, Let's see. We got three more teams left. One of them's Boston, though. I just had Danton Heinen. I wasn't sure if you wanted to touch on that at all. That was a fine RFA deal. I don't, I don't think they did too that. much else this off season. Picked up Par Lindholm for two years. They still have McAvoy and Carlo unsigned and only eight million dollars in space, so they can't really. They don't really have a choice to yeah. do anything this off season. Um. All right, we got one. I think we'll spend a bit on. So I'm gonna go Columbus first. Uh, they lost all of their big UFAs. Uh, they picked up uh, Matt Sucarello, though. I guess where do you see this team this well, year? They got Nyquist. Lizard tongue went to Minnesota. <laughs> right. Sorry, I had that backwards. Yeah, yeah they got I Nyquist and too. Minnesota got Zuccarello. Um, where do you see this team being? Like, just in the standings this year? Um, That's a really good question. I can't imagine they... I don't think they're terribly likely to make the playoffs. No, I, I think like it wouldn't sh- absolutely shock me, but it would surprise me, I guess, a little bit. I'd be very surprised. Their best forward is probably Pierre-Luc Dubois, but... Yeah, like, I don't know. Their top six, I guess, is what? Felino? Is Felino in their top six? Nyquist, Atkinson, Dubois, Bjorkstrand, maybe. Like, I have... My model has them without a distinct first line forward. You don't appear to look to or Your model doesn't high end second line center. Really, that's yeah. surprising. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. It but... surprises me. But if you think about it, 
he's not like a slam dunk top 20 center in the league, right? No, I guess not. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't. The, the one thing I don't like hearing about this team is yes, they do have some prospects, but everyone acts like. Because when you say, yeah, their prospect cupboard's pretty bare too, they go, no, it's not. We still got lots of good guys. They have guys like Alexander Texier, who looked very good in his NHL stint last year, Liam Foudy. Every team has that kind of player, though. Yeah, most teams do. Like, they don't have any, like, like unless I'm completely mistaken, they don't have any just, like, slam dunk prospect. No, like, there's no Eric Brandstrom down there. No, and... Or there's no, uh, what's his name, like, Philip Zadna just sitting in the AHL. Yeah, like, so it, it would worry me, I think, but I don't know. Like, I, I get they went for it, and, I mean, we both said, yeah, fair enough for going for it. Um, they're going to pay the price, I think, now. Um, yeah, I would think they'll miss the playoffs for a year or two. Restock the cupboard. You would assume so. Um, they have to go on a pretty big bender, I guess, to try and make it. I, it'll be between them and the Islanders probably for the bottom two places in the Metro. Yeah, I would think so. Um, unless something terribly goes wrong with another team. Uh, let's go to another team where I just continue to laugh at their stupid decisions because this could still legitimately be a cup contender, but they are slowly just ruining their chances at it. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins had yet another disastrous offseason. After last year, they picked up Gabranson and Jack Johnson. J- Johnson the offseason, Gabranson through the year. They decided to sign Brandon Tanev to a six-year deal at $3.5 million. One of the not greatest, like, one of the worst players on Winnipeg. Not worst isn't, like... He's a, a fine player. He's an aggressive like... term because Winnipeg had very good forwards, but... Six years, you just don't need to give him. It was just a stupid contract. He's a bottom six forward. You gave him three and a half million, which is probably already too much for a team like this, and six years. Yeah, he's like a good defensive fourth liner. <laughs> so, like, oh man, like, I, yeah, this team. So I believed Jim Rutherford was one of the best GMs in the league, but when Jason Botterill left at the end of the final cup run, their decisions left, like, sense have made me think that maybe the assistant GM was driving a little bit more than I would have guessed. Yes, because uh, I haven't liked a ton of their moves. We'll get into the big trade here to end off the podcast. Galchenyuk for Kessel. Um, you wrote a piece two years ago, I want to say now, about how they should trade Kessel, and it was right after they won their first cup, I believe, or maybe second. I think it was right after their second. And you got roasted for it, but your whole thing was... He probably doesn't provide as much value as you think. He's kind of an empty calorie point getter slash you can replace what he has on the power play because he might. he's probably not the leading driver on that power play. Yeah, he puts up points on Crosby and Malkin's power play. And they finally do trade him to get cap space, and it's for just, like, I want to see Alex Galchenyuk do good, but at this point you can't call Alex Galchenyuk a very great player. Well, they traded Phil Kessel for a lefty yeah. who puts up empty calorie points on the power play. Yeah. Um, like, at least Phil Kessel plays the hand to be your other half-wall guy on that power play. I, like, I get, it's the cap hit that you save a little bit on, I guess. You save, I think, $2 million is what they saved or something like that. I think, wait, did they, re- they might have retained on Kessel, though, as well. No, they didn't. No? Okay. Um, I don't know. It's, I like it more from Arizona's perspective than I did Pittsburgh's. I think. Just because Kessel at least adds scoring, which is something Arizona needed. Yeah, because like, Pittsburgh got a little bit cheaper, but I think they got worse. I would say... Yeah, I would say so. And like, yeah, like... like considering oh, they didn't get... Like, if Galchenyuk would be good defensively, I think you could at least try and make an argument that, yes, your points are going to take a hit from what you lost from Kessel, but at least your defensive game is going to pick up, which is what Pittsburgh needed. But if, yeah, if Galchenyuk was league average, the only thing is he's one of the few players that's as bad as Phil Kessel. Yeah, and he just doesn't put up as much point, as near as many points. Yeah. And And maybe he will a bit more in the power play like that, but still. And to make things worse, the money they freed up went to that TANF contract. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. I've just kind of been smiling while watching this. It's fun for me to watch. Poor Sid. Yeah, um, I mean, he's three cups, so maybe not poor Sid. But, yeah, he'll get over it. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about that other than it's really just some huge self-destruction here by the Pittsburgh Penguins on uh, their cap. And 
their chances at winning another cup because right now, like I don't even, I don't think I'd have them in my top five anymore for cup favorites this year, like this coming year. No, I think it'll take another heart trophy level season from Sidney Crosby for that. And he's going to be 32 when the season starts. Yeah. And even then entering into the playoffs, I mean, if you have Sidney Crosby and even Malkin running all cylinders, but then you have a not good bottom or not amazing bottom six and Jack Johnson, and Erica Branson in your defense. I'm not trusting that team in the playoffs. It's kind of like they're going back to the old penguins yeah. where they have Crosby and Malkin and that's it. Yeah. Where they get dragged into the playoffs and then come first and second round, they don't yeah. have any depth to do anything. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't have much more to say about the East. I don't, do you? I don't think we missed any teams that made big splashes. No, I don't think so. I know we got all the trades for the East, but um, I don't know. Yell at us, I guess. Detroit did some stuff, but not much. They gave Patrick Nemeth $6 million over two years. Yeah, They let Nyquist walk. Yeah. So that's fine. Didn't they trade Nyquist? Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Never mind. Um, You're right. Yeah. Um, they drafted a guy. They took a huge reach at six <laughs> overall. That was kind of funny. Yes, they did. Uh, Tampa hasn't done much because they're trying to get... Braden Point resigned, but uh, that's fair enough. Somebody uh, offers you didn't please. <laughs> well, apparently Montreal tried, but he said no. I'd rather stay in Tampa. So um, probably yeah. a good call for him. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we will be back in a day or two, maybe three. Probably, probably not. Probably a day or two with the Western look at uh, the draft and free agency. Uh, if you guys like the podcast, uh, sh- give it a share or a like on iTunes or review on iTunes. And uh, thanks. We'll see you next episode.